Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com So Grace Petrie, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Guilty Feminist Watchers and Just Like that. Thank you. You're an unlikely guilty feminist fan. I don't <laughs> mind telling you. I'm, I'm not an unlikely guilty feminist fan. <gasps> sorry. I'm You're a unlikely... lifelong guilty feminist fan. I'm so sorry. You're an unlikely and just like that slash sex the city fan. When you when your email said, oh my God, I'm so into this, please. Mm-hmm. I thought, didn't see this coming. It's a bit of a curveball from Grace. But Grace, mm-hmm. you are nothing if not a curveballer. <laughs> well, thank you. Presents the Guilty Feminist Watchers and just like that, the Sex of the City Rehill. With me, Deborah Francis White, and my very special guest, Grace Petrie. Episode 10, Seeing the Light. Um, so what did you think then about the snog in the elevator with the handsome producer? Well, okay, right. I understand that. Um, Sex and City was a long time ago and I understand that the world has moved on however I tried to watch one of the original episodes not long ago and it was the one where Big is he's married to Natasha but his marriage is failing and he sees Carrie in a bar in a hotel bar she's gone there to write it's when Carrie's going out with Aiden, the wonderful dreamy furniture maker and uh, he Big is drunk and a mess and he comes onto her we all know what I'm talking about he comes on, onto her she tells him no. He follows her. He fights his way into an elevator after her. And he forcibly, I'm just going to use the word assaults her because he does try several times to kiss her and his hands are all over her. And, and she's, she's pushing no, him off. off she's saying no and physically pushing him off. And then after maybe like, it feels like eternity when you're watching it. But after like maybe 40 full seconds of that, she relents and starts kissing him back. And like, I can't. Even that's begin. the beginning I mean, of their the, affair. Yeah, and like the listeners to this podcast, of course, will know 
the myriad fucking problems with that and the awful messages that that's giving women and giving men and giving everybody who, you know, has sex of any kind about consent. And I always thought it was terrible and I always, I always thought it was dreadful. And I was interested in whether or not in the reboot they were going to, like, maybe just look into, do a bit of introspection about their messages around consent and about what they've said about consent and what they've portrayed about consent. And I, therefore, I was immensely disappointed to have Carrie literally in 2022 literally say, he asked me for a kiss? Like, what are we doing? Like a contract about her date that she goes on where that perfectly nice man in actually a moment that like is perfectly nice out in the street. He gazes at her and he says, I'd like to kiss you. Would that be okay? And they kiss. And like, obviously, that's not the romance of the century. But the problem is not that he asked consent for the kiss. I, re I really like... I can't reject this idea more strongly, right? I d I've been in so many situations where, like, I think there's this, there's this idea that, like, the patriarchy is constantly trying to sort of, like, mock the idea of, like, verbal consent, right? Whenever we have conversations about consent, you know, fucking the worst men on Twitter will be like, what am I supposed to do? Get verbal consent. As if that's the stupidest idea in the world. Verbal consent is incredibly sexy. Like, it, it does... I'm not saying consent always has to be verbal, but I'm saying, like, let's not mock the very fact of the idea of just saying to somebody, do you want me to do this? Like, just fucking normalize that. It's not unsexy, it's not weird, it's not dry. Like, if you're if you're making it any of those things, then like, work on your delivery. I don't know what to tell you, but like, <laughs> it's not, it's not fundamentally unsexy to say, can I kiss you? Like, that can be incredibly sexy. And like, so I'm so disappointed to see her like, to see the writers literally put that line in her mouth where she's yeah, like, oh, like it's, it really bummed me out that he asked my permission to kiss me. And then yeah. obviously to just like really fucking drive that bad idea home at the end, because obviously producer, whatever his name is, very conspicuously does not ask permission for anything. He follows her in her workplace into yes. an elevator just Having the way the asked to hire her. Yeah. Having yeah. asked to hire her, saying I want to produce you, or or you know, it's not necessarily hiring, but a contract is made between talent and producer. Let's work yeah. together. He then, after the first show, doesn't say, "I'd like to get a drink with you," so that at yeah. least then, if they're in an elevator in a bar mm. and they look into each other's eyes, it's in her workplace. Yeah, just grabs her, and yes, she takes him at the same time, and there's a feeling, sure, and there's. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with what happened. It's just in the light of the conversation about oh, a contract for a kiss. Uh, 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 it's not how I remember it. But you remember it badly because you're right. It made me think of that scene in the lift as well. And they did that deliberately, right? Like that's a callback. Yeah. That's why it was an elevator. You know, yeah. I don't want anyone to take away from this that what I'm saying is like, that kiss in the elevator with the producer was like non-consensual. Of course it was consensual. And like, yes, verbal consent doesn't always need to happen. But I just, I'm disappointed. I'm just disappointed. Like I, in that, in so many ways, I feel like the reboot, like, and just like that is trying to show that they've listened to so many criticisms over the years. But this is such a fundamental one to me, I think, is that like, there was a massive consent problem between Carrie and Big, like a lot of the time. Yeah. And like most famously at the start of that affair in that horrible scene, and it just is disappointing that that's the thing that they would have, like, decided, I think, quite deliberately to double down on. Do you know what I mean? That she, yeah. they really have her, like, making this whole speech about how, like, lame it was that this, like, nice, handsome guy asked to kiss her. And, like, therefore, 
with, that's supposed to make us think that she's really into the guy not asking to kiss her at the end in her workplace yeah. in an incredibly inappropriate way. I mean, come. Yeah, no, I know. It's such a strange thing because the problem with the teacher, Peter, is not that he asked to kiss her. It's that no. there wasn't real chemistry between them and they were both grieving in the same way and neither of them had the sexual energy or neither of them had closure yet. That was the problem. If he'd been like, I really want to kiss you right now and there'd been this like between them, mm. that would have been, and she'd like leaned in, that would have been really mm. sexy. It was the sort of, it was the energy. It wasn't the request. And it's specifically a contract for a kiss is the kind of thing that men on campuses say, oh, I suppose I have to have a contract for a kiss. Yeah. It's very strange language. Um, and yeah, it did evoke that scene with Big in the lift. It was like, yeah, lift kissing, un- yeah. Un- unrequested lift kissing, that's where we want to be. Absolutely. And yeah, it was a sexy hot kiss, and they're two consenting adults. doesn't really matter that they're in the workplace of creating together. I'm not having a go at that. I'm just saying it is a strange, in, in a post-Me Too world, where they've cut Chris Noth out yeah. because of the testimonies of women, I am questioning that decision heavily. Mm. Um, I need to talk about this scene with Miranda and Che. So <laughs> Che and Miranda, it's been a very odd thing, just to catch you up. Um, so, yeah, uh, we had, like, sex on, on Carrie's kitchen counter. Sex on, and then Miranda was really crushing hard on Che, Text DM Che, Che never DM back. She was sort of chasing Che. And then Che was like, I'm really into it too. Um, we were promised that we were going to deal with Miranda having to date someone who was polyamorous and had said so from the beginning. But then they cancelled that drama because Che said, actually, you're the only person I'm seeing. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, we were lots of promises that were not delivered on. But uh, Schrodinger's polyamory, that is really, isn't it? Yeah, it really, really is. Che then and Miranda are kind of figuring out the interplay and Miranda saying, oh, I'm doing it like a Meg Ryan film and I don't know how to date this kind of human. And I was like, well, how is it different? You know, I don't Mm -hmm. really know. But I think there was an episode about Miranda playing into heteronormative ideals or something like that. Um, That sounds like a laugh a minute. (laughs) Yeah, it was just... It was just, again, this sort of otherness of how do you date a non-binary person? Well, it's like yeah. if you're in that thing with them. Like, for example, Chase says to her, you're looking very pretty today. And she says, and you're looking whatever uh, non-gendered words that I'm allowed to use for you is. And I'm like, you would know Ooh. by this point. You say, and you're looking very hot. You know, like, yeah. you know, you, you would know. Yeah, hot works for everyone. Do you know what I mean? Nobody doesn't want to be hot. Yeah, or, you know, you look and find yourself, you know, that mm. kind of thing, uh, or sexy or, you know, whatever. Like, mm. why do you have to go, oh, I don't know a word for a non-binary person. You're in a thing with them. By now mm. you do know, even if you were not sure at the beginning. So, you know, what they like, what that individual likes, and that's, I think, the thing about non-binariness is that, as Rock said, I just get to be me. Mm. And I think... And Rock said, I don't even want to be called non-binary. I just want to be called Rock B, individual. Mm. And so it was so strange for me that by this point, she doesn't know the thing to say to her partner or her, the person she's dating, Mm. exclusively. They're dating exclusively and she doesn't Mm. know a word to say. So it was all very strange. And apparently in love. Like that was the word that was used this time. Is that the first time that word's been used? No, no. They say that they're in love with each other uh, and that's when she 
breaks it off with Steve. Oh, Lord. So, yeah. So here we go. She says, I'm going to meet Che's family. So, mm. And then she goes into what she thinks is going to be a restaurant to have a meal with some members of Shay's family. And this seems like mm. a big step. When she gets there, it's this massive party from everyone Che knows, including her family. Miranda is sat between two grandmothers she's never met. Mm. Che gets on stage and sings California Girls, but with sort of reference to like down there, meaning, you know, uh, I, I want to go down on some California Girls, then shouts, I'm moving to California or I've got a pilot. Now, if you are in a relationship with somebody and they announce on stage that they're, to everyone they know they're going to California and they sing about all the California girls they want to get it on with, mm. what state are you in? What would you think? Grace, if you were dating someone early on, still finding your way with them, and then they invited you to a party, which you thought was a dinner to meet their <laughs> mum, and it turned out to be them singing, I can't wait to fuck all the California girls. And then shouted to the whole room, I'm moving to LA, I've got a TV show. What would you well, feel? Well, I've been in that exact situation and it wasn't great. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't no, really surprise uh, me as much. My, as you know, my, my girlfriend, uh, that, that was our third date. No, um, uh, yeah, it, it's obviously terrible. Everything about it is terrible. Everything about it is terrible. And like, it's... um. Oh, man, you know, it sucks because, like, I do, I'm predisposed to love gender non-conforming characters in things, sure. right? You don't see very many of them still these days. So I was like, okay, this is good. And I was, I, I was pretty, uh, like, pleasantly surprised. Obviously, Cynthia Nixon is queer in real life, very famously. So I was like, oh, I'm, like, I think it's cool that they're going to explore that for the character of Miranda. And apparently Cynthia Nixon said she wouldn't come back unless Miranda did have a queer relationship. I love her. Oh, I yeah. love her. Hooray. But, but um, here's the thing. Here's the thing with that relationship. It's with the worst it, person in the world. <laughs> well, it's, it's with somebody who, that's very manipulative to me. Because yeah. if you're sitting there, have prepared yourself to meet family and be on best behaviour and engage, and then you're sitting there with everyone, people presumably you know, you don't know. I think how I would feel is humiliated and oh, dumped yeah. in a yeah. really embarrassing, humiliating way. And more than that, I'm watching someone boast about all the sex they're going to have. Mm. You know, they're not singing a song about I'm going to go and have LA. a lovely time. I'm going to go to LA and make loads of friends. They're saying, like, I'm going to yeah, go and, like, Hollywood. go down on loads of girls in California. Yeah, it's not, right? it's not, for, hooray, it's not hooray for Hollywood. It's not a song no. about this. There are songs about LA and show business and making your dreams and yada, yada, yada. It's not, it's not that. No. It's a song about going down on, literally going down on, on, and all these California girls. And we know that Shay is polyamorous, but at the moment exclusively seeing Miranda. So I'm like, this is a breakup. And then that person says to you, when you're in that state, I want you to come. Now you think, I am wanted. I was feeling feeling bereft and grieving. I'm wanted. Oh, I'm definitely going to come. That's manipulative. Yeah. Because yeah, if totally. you say to them, one-on-one, I'm going to take you out for lunch, got something to tell you, very exciting. However, it puts us in a different situation. Mm. And so here's my great news. Please be happy for me. And I know you've got a big internship coming up because we're exclusively dating. So that's, I know about your life and I care about your life. Mm. And human rights is very important to me and it's very important to you. 
So I want you to go and do it, but I also need you to know you're invited. I'm falling in love with you. If there's a way of putting that internship off, I would just love to have you there. You are 100% invited. Then that person can go for a place, a solid, confident place. Mm -hmm. That person can go, okay, I've now got two options. One is love and one is this very important work I've given up my whole career for. And I need to make that decision. But if somebody makes you feel bereft and grieving and humiliated and then goes, no, you're wanted. Mm. That's why you follow them. And so that's why it seemed like a sadistic game to me. I mean, that's a description of Carrie's entire relationship with Big right there, by the way. Yes. But, I only uh, want you when I can't have you. And, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like this show, like that's our standard of like an everlasting love that this show is always presented to us. Do you know what I mean? Like that's the great love story. Is that like, you know, eventually that person who's like really hot and cold and really like, yeah, does manipulative things and like, you know, they want you, they don't want you. They're moving, you know, to L.A. in Big's case to Paris all those years ago, then like then gives you a scrap. Right. Yeah. We as like functioning people living in the real world who, you know, have, have like had therapists and like analyzed our previous relationships like wouldn't we like now we're like oh okay that's like a pretty toxic dynamic but it's like this show is still on because there's no resolution there's no like the resolution to this storyline is Miranda goes like Miranda's actually going to LA as far as we know that's it you know like that maybe maybe the start of the second season if we're blessed or cursed with it is that Miranda didn't get on the plane but as far as we know Miranda's gone Miranda's turned her back on this incredible internship I mean, I guess it's a little bit ambiguous how they leave it, but like, you know, like Carrie's sort of says, what about the internship? You said it was amazing. You said that was amazing. Like, and Miranda's sort of like, that's really judgmental, but we never land on, we ne- it's never really resolved in, in a way that, to me, I think the resolution the show gives us is like, no man, Miranda's choosing love. She's choosing love. She's dyed her hair red. You know, we're, we're going for it and like get on board or get off the tracks. And I, I just, I, I, it's just, yeah, it's, it's still sort of repeating the sins of Sex and the City past to me. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com It's the lack of conflict that bothers me. People are flawed and people sometimes need, absolutely need to put love over everything. Even this noble pursuit of human rights, there are times when people need to do what they need to do. And, you know, it's just the strange lack of conflict that I don't Mm. buy Miranda would have. She is a conflicted person. Mm. And I just think 
anybody has got to be conflicted if they've given up everything for human rights. And then strangely, this 55-year-old woman has been given this prize internship and internships (laughs) don't normally go to 55-year-old women, but she's so amazing. And I guess she's got the heft of her legal career and maybe human rights watch are like, yeah, that's what we need. We need someone who's 55 and had this huge career in law. And yeah, Mm -hmm. we'd love you to work for us because you bring more than someone who's 22. I get all of that. But I don't really buy, I buy her going but I want to see her conflict. I don't just want to go, fuck human rights. I just find it odd. And I didn't yeah. want her going, mm. fuck Steve. I wanted her to go, mm. I'm so pulled. And that's to me is the interesting drama. And I just was like, she's going through some very strange midlife crisis slash personality disorder, in my opinion. Sarah Mears, who's the actor who plays Shea Diaz, when you put in Shea Diaz, the first thing that comes up is a New York Times article, Sarah Mears is not Shea Diaz because the character has been getting so much flack for these kinds of behaviours. My guess is Sarah Ramirez is not going to come back if there's a season two because I don't think it's been great. I don't think it's felt great for them. Mm. Um, So I don't know how they're going to play that out. But they tell Miranda to her face when Miranda says, but you had time to rehearse a song, but not to just tell me. So I came into this space knowing what was going on. Mm. And Che Diaz says, what can I tell you? I'm a fucking narcissist. Mm. And I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. there are signs of narcissistic behaviors here. Mm-hmm. I- I'm not here to, to diagnose anybody, but there are signs of narcissism here. And one of them, that, that is the strangest thing to do. If you really are in love with somebody, you don't tell them you're going to LA in front of everybody else and imply yeah. that you're going to fuck a lot of other people. And I mean, going, that. All, all, so of it, it's, all of it is so awful. terrible, but it's so, I was out from the moment, you know, like in in, uh, in Jeremy Maguire when he says you had me at hello, you lost me at, I was expecting to meet your family and like we're in a club <laughs> and there's all these other fucking people there. I would be out the door. I find it almost intolerable when I'm meeting a friend who I know well for a drink and I find out when I get there, they've invited another friend who I also know well. I hate, do you know what I mean? Like I need the terms of social engagement yeah, that yeah. I'm going to, to remain the ones that I I consented yeah. to. Like, uh, so I'm, I'm like already, I like, I'm already out the door. And then, and, and, and then also like surprise fucking performance oh i literally am a singer and it's i'm cringing out of my skin at the idea that anybody would ever like impromptu fucking sing a song to be like i'm moving to la i just i just hate it i I hate it i I think and i think the the i hope that fictional character shady is not the actor who i'm sure is a lovely person but i hope their pilot fucking tanks (laughs) if you've got a big opportunity to go to New York Mm. uh, to launch your career in America and you told me, not your lover, to be Mm. clear, to the viewers who've wondered if we are the Ross (laughs) The viewers. We are. (laughs) The viewers. You don't know what a podcast is either. To the callers. Who have we got on line one? (laughs) (laughs) To the listeners, I meant. I was thinking of the audience, the live audience who saw our Sorry. incredible to, to the viewers, to the viewers and the listeners around and Australia, the... New Zealand, when we toured together. Mm. Some of you have wondered if we're Ross and Rachel. Uh, hey. Upward of one person has asked me that. <laughs> um, but if you got this huge opportunity to go and, you know, further your career in America, and you said, 
Uh, and instead of just saying to me, Deb, I'm so excited I'm getting to go to New York, you invited me to a party and got up and sang and start spreading the news. Mm. I would think, oh, my God, Grace. After not telling you it was a party. If I was like, Deb, come and meet my mum. You you know, you're coming for dinner with my mum and you got there and it was like a party that I was singing New York, New York in. The argument then that Miranda has with Carrie very much almost replicates the argument that Miranda has with Carrie when Carrie announces that she's going to Paris. What are you going to do? Just eat croissant? And she says, what are you going to do? Just sit in the audience and laugh all day? Yeah. And it's almost the same argument. But again, they don't reference it. She doesn't Mm. say... When I tried to stop you going to Paris, you said, I need to go and live my life. Yeah, look how that worked out. You know, mm-hmm. there, there is no reference to it, which I think they don't know how much we would love them to know their own history. Well, I um, guess they and- didn't have time to reference it because they had to work in an incongruous interruption from the trans rabbi. What are we doing? Oh, Seriously, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? That was the worst thing. thing. That was the that worst thing. I'm like, listen, I mean... Uh, I understand that in the modern age of terrible transphobia that we live in, like sort of good on the show for like specifically wanting to be like, hey, we're just going to make it very, very clear that our position is trans inclusivity. Like I kind of respect that. But I just don't think that you need to do it by having the trans rabbi come out of the stall and go, as a woman, I'm going to put myself in the middle of this argument between two lifelong friends who I've never met before. Like what? And, and like in the same way that like I, I'm not dissing the the trans rabbi or the or the actor who played the trans rabbi like I, it was a lot of fun and I guess I should just not take things so seriously but again like we can have queer characters and things who aren't just like <laughs> snapping their fingers and sashaying through every single set like some of us are she just normal snapped. levels of fabulous some of us are not like that fabulous we're not fabulous twenty four cents she literally snapped. She literally uh, snapped. I, I actually wrote down the dialogue because I was so, I thought they must have had to pay her so much to say this. Yeah. Because apparently that actress has said she wants to do cis roles. She doesn't want to be cast as a trans person the whole time, which some trans people find problematic and I understand why. But maybe it's something she's doing for a while to normalise trans people playing cis people. I don't know. Well, this was um, the wrong role but, because she was referred to as the trans rabbi in every scene she was in. So I wrote down the dialogue because I was astounded by it. It was a whole monologue. The Lou flushes. They're in the middle of a fight. The Lou flushes. And Rabbi Jen comes out and says, I couldn't help but overhear. I'm putting the dots together. Um, Sorry for your loss. Happy you found love. Is that the right voice to the right face? That is unhinged. If someone came out of the Lou and you were having an argument, went, sorry, couldn't help but overhear. Join the dots. Uh, Sorry for your loss. Happy you found love. Right face, right voice. Great. And then now here's a sermon on love and female friendship. In the meantime, how do I use this hand dryer? And mm. then snaps and I've got to get to Bushwick and snaps and let, walks out and let's get the fuck on with it. And they said nothing except that's how you use the hand dryer. They just said nothing. You would just look at each other. Do you know what would bond you is you roaring with laughter out of the rabbi coming out for Lou and giving yeah. you a, a weird speech. I was like, they must have paid her a lot to do that dialogue. They must have paid her so much. And I just felt for her so much. I thought, how do you make this work? How she do you make this best, work? And, her, and yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I know that I, people like me, as is continually referenced on social media, we're just never bloody happy. But like, I think, um, so I sort of don't want to rag on them too much because I, I, I really 
to a point, yeah, they're, giving, I guess, they're giving it a red hot go. There's no question. Well, yeah, like to and to a point, I really do kind of. They could have just the, like, ignored it. Yeah, I, I do kind of applaud the the intention behind the many, many, many uh, efforts that they've made to make this show more diverse. But again, I just think um, I'm trying to sort of say this in a way that isn't really offensive because trans people and queer people and non-binary people come in obviously every single kind of uh, person. You know, there's a breadth of diversity among queer people as much as there's a breadth of diversity among all people. And I and I should say I haven't I haven't I've only watched as I've said episodes one, two, and ten. So like maybe there's all manner of trans representation in between those episodes, which is a little less stereotypical. But um, it was it's just it was just a bit of a shame for me. And I think it like I said, it just sort of underlines. I don't watch everything thinking like this was made for me. I watched very, very, very few things thinking this was made for me. But I think watching this was just a bit like, the problem with sort of just having these these queer characters just turn up and do these quite insane things is that it really does in this, in this like quite unconscious way, it does underline this idea that it's like, well, Carrie, Charlotte and Miranda are the normal ones. And they're really trying to embrace this brave new world and they're doing their best because all these people are fucking nuts. And it's like, oh my God, we're not all fucking nuts. You know what I mean? Like Che's behavior at that party was fucking nuts and it would have been if that was a straight man. And like a cis woman coming out of the toilet, if the rabbi had been cis coming out of the toilet and being like, I couldn't help it over here and doing that speech, that would be insane. As you say, like they would burst out laughing because that's not normal behavior. And the fact that they didn't, it just sort of feels like, they, what are we trying to say here? Because like, that person was trans, and they're yeah. like, "We don't, no, don't love a trans person, even though that that person's doing something strange." So yeah. yeah, it's it's a bit like I don't think Michael Patrick King has listened to a podcast because that's not how they work. You can't phone in, and you don't have weird buttons, and they're not scripted. They don't mm. sound like how they have a scripted quality. Well, certainly mine aren't. Um, I I feel like also. There seemed to be a focus on the otherness rather than the humanity of the individual. Exactly. And the otherness will play into it, of course. Every trans person has to navigate through a world with power structures that misunderstand and project. Of course, that plays in. There's no question. But it isn't the main thing. You know, Juno was on the podcast last week, Gina Dawson, who does a brilliant podcast herself called, and I got to thinking, that's about the original Sex and the City and filtered through a contemporary lens. And... um, she was saying, I don't get out of bed in the morning and like be like, oh, what shall I trans do today? You know, it's sort of like it's, yes. she said exactly yeah. that, but that was the implication of that. Um, mm. Was you, you get on with your day being you and sometimes your transness will come into something, but that's not, you don't get out of bed to think about transness. Um, mm. In the same way that people don't get out of bed and think about whiteness or gender conformity. You know, I don't get out of bed and go, another Caucasian day, you know, it's, yeah. it's just, or or another day being a woman or another day mm. being five foot nine, I guess. My yeah. five foot niner is really going to come into play today. Now, sometimes it does. Sometimes I, I'm, you know, I feel like a very tall woman in, in, in a specific situation or I, you know, I'm asked to reach something off a shelf. But... Not an experience I can relate to, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, yeah. And finally, given we're at the they mitzvah, how did you feel about this storyline where Rock doesn't want to be they mitzvahed, but Charlotte misses all the signs and throws a $10,000 party anyway? 
I mean, again, I guess if this was led up to in the episodes I didn't see, maybe it was Vaguely. Uh, a little less random. Um, I just think, again, it's the same thing. It's like, I, I'd like to know what's going on in those kids' lives. I'd like them to have lives that aren't just about exactly as you say. Like, uh, it's the same thing, isn't it? It's like, like I'm, I can tell you one thing about rock. And that's their non-binary. And they are non-binary. They are fucking non-binary. <laughs> that kid's non-binary. Did you hear the kid's non-binary? Did you get the message about the kid being non-binary? And I don't know anything else about that kid. Like, it's a shame. Like, it, you know what I mean? I, 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 Grace, I, again, like I, can I correct you? In this episode, mm. they said they weren't non-binary. They said, I don't want to be... So sorry. I don't want to be a girl. I don't want to be non-binary. I don't want to be Jewish. And I don't even... I don't even like I, I don't she was saying identify as I don't even identify as a New Yorker and that was that was a good joke that was like an old school sex and the joke the parents yeah, yeah, that yeah. was the one they gasped at like I'm not a New yeah. Yorker uh, that that made was me laugh. pretty good but that was the joke per show there's a joke per show now and I really that was I enjoyed it um, mm. <laughs> and I understood what they meant and I quite liked seeing I thought that was the best moment of the show and Rock saying I'm 13 can't I just be me. Like I, mm. like actually at 13, do you know you're a New Yorker? You might in your heart think this is what I do and we get around and we do ah, nah, 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 all the noise. But in my heart, I pined for, I was brought up on the beach in Australia. All I did mm. was read books about London and wanted to live in a big city. All I did. Mm. I never identified as uh, a Gold Coast girl, as a Queenslander, uh, even as an Australian, really. I just didn't. I now love going back to Australia. I really enjoy it. And I do find there is a piece of Australia in me and there's a home centering there for me, but it's not by any means the whole of me. And when I was there, I felt a huge resistance to it. So I absolutely understand that not identifying as where you come from. And I loved that just because your parents live somewhere, just because the world tells you your agenda, just because your parents are Jewish and your mum converted and took that very seriously. And, you know, it's important to your dad. Doesn't mean you feel it inside of you and you might not be that person. And I thought that was a really lovely speech that she gave. I felt, I don't like the child centricity of this show where there was a whole thing last week where Lily was trying to put in a tampon and upstaging every moment and like people not telling their children or their teenagers, okay, you need to wait the whole world isn't about you because you're raising some incredibly mm. unpleasant people who then have to move into college dorms and get relationships mm. and move into flats. And it's all about me. Uh, I, I don't like, I'll buy you an Oculus. I'll buy you whatever you want if you'll just go out there and say a bit of the Torah. I, I hate all of that. I'm like, mm. you, I, I, I want a father to say, your mother's worked very hard on this. You needed to say before now that you absolutely weren't doing it because she spent the money. And you need mm. to do something. I don't mind if you go out there and say, this isn't for me, but this is how I feel. But you need to do something now because your mother's worked mm. hard on this. And I, I, Or say to Charlotte, I don't think you listened to her. You didn't hear her. She told you she didn't want this. We're now going to have to find a way out. But not to kind of go, I'll buy you things. I, find, I found that. But, you know, also what people in stories are, they don't have to behave well. As long as the moral they don't, of the story they don't. isn't, isn't this is how you should be. <laughs> yeah. And when, when I, so I watched... When I watched the original series when I was a teenager, uh, my best friend and I at school watched it together. And she was always taking the piss at me for being a massive Charlotte York apologist because I loved, was in love with Charlotte in the original series. Like oh, she we're was in love with I really fancy. So yes, you're not really a Charlotte, you're a Harry. No, I'm... <laughs> 
I mean, that is not a way that I would identify myself. But um, uh, but yeah, I don't know. That's that stuck on Charlotte. Stuck on Charlotte, I guess. But but I think um, again, like I think if they hadn't sort of got so clouded by like the gender lens and like trying to say whatever they were trying to say about gender identity, I think there's like maybe quite an interesting story. There's a more interesting storyline to me there about like the expectation of a 13 year old to make a very serious affirmation of a faith, right? Um, I mean, I was brought up Catholic, uh, you know, when you're in the Catholic church, you you will get confirmed in, in your teens and you, when you're around 14, 15. And I didn't get confirmed and it was a serious, it was a big, it wasn't a big thing in my family because, you know, by the time I was the age that I would have been confirmed, my Catholic grandmother had passed away and she was the one that it would have meant a lot too, you know what I mean? But like my elder siblings got confirmed and they didn't really believe in it and none of them are practicing Catholics today. And like, I think that like, I would have been like, because there's been, Charlotte's been on such a journey. when she listens to this podcast. Oh, there's nothing left in the world that could shock my mother, believe me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I, yeah, I think because Charlotte's been on such a journey with the Jewish faith and that's been a really interesting arc for her character over many decades, you know, and I think like it would have been, I, I think that would have been a more interesting conversation maybe to like allow rock non-binary as they are, if they are, to just like that not be a thing, not, you know, like not be a part of this, like may, maybe have them... Yeah, just maybe have them like have a a crisis of faith or a cri- you know like what does that mean to be you know in a very sort of what we've perceived to be quite a devout Jewish family and then be thirteen and be like oh I don't think I believe in this and like have them have some kind of I think there was an opportunity missed for some like actual interesting drama there yeah and instead it was just like oh Back trans rabbi yeah, yeah. Uh, rainbow um everything at the at the at the they mitzvah mitzvah, and and uh you know fucking gluten-free bread and like oh i don't know it i felt like again (laughs) like a lot of things we just sort of played for like quite cheap laughs that for my to me didn't really land it's possible i'm sorry if people are listening to this and going i love this show i find nothing about this show problematic and grace peach is just trashing every single scene of my favorite show i'm sorry i'm sorry i belong in hell with big no, we start. We we started this whole thing saying, "Look, the show is family to us, and you're allowed to criticize family, and that's why we're allowed to criticize mm, it." So we, re- sure. we release ourselves. Um, I think perhaps uh, sometimes Michael Patrick King confuses lactose intolerance with uh, gender nonconformity. Uh, it's it's mm. just sort of I don't know something that young people have going on. Let's accept it and be nice and kind and compassionate. And I like that. I like that. I like the Michael Patrick's can go, include them all, include them all. What is it? No, there's executive, a, there's a, no uh, executive function, sourdough bread. <laughs> That's somewhere the in the rainbow. Something with there's the a, rainbow. There's a, a, uh, there's a fantastic musician from Leicester called Dylan Morris, uh, who played at my Lefty Christmas show a couple of years ago. And they were telling this story on stage about how they told their grandma, they came out to their grandma and they were like, oh, I told my grandma I'm non-binary now. And my grandma said, do you still eat meat? <laughs> <laughs> And the answer is probably not. Um, uh, let's mm. be honest. Uh, so that yeah. is this week's, and just like that, is there anything you came to say? I'm afraid that there you is. Get to say, tell me, Deb, darling, what are we doing? We've missed an enormous, an enormous elephant in the room, or elephant uh, not in the room, 
elephant we're apparently going to have a cocktail with tomorrow night after we've been to Paris, but we're not even going to see it on screen. Oh, Samantha. God. Like, Stop come promising on. Samantha. And not delivering. I can't believe it. I have a theory, right, because I'm quite cynical. Yeah. And I know about the well-publicized feud, right? The, pub, the the feud has been so well-publicized. I'm sure I I'm not the first person on this podcast. Fine. I'm sure I'm not the first person on this podcast to opine that, like, the biggest hype machine they could possibly build for a yeah. reboot of Sex and the City is having a very, very, very public way of being, like, one of them's not going to return to it. And so Kim Cattrall came out, all this stuff on Instagram. I just, I'm, I'm too cynical, I suppose. I believe that all of these things... Do you think it's a conspiracy not, theory? Like... No, I don't too... know it's a conspiracy theory. I, I just I just think that like I know there was some real maybe there was some real stuff that went on there, I'm sure. Very but if there was insults. But and it's one thing okay, okay, Charles, but they're it, but not it, doing it, but very personal, very personal stuff going but, on online. Right, but but exactly. So okay, just just come with me on this little on this little adventure, right? Come with me Put on this journey. Kim Cattrall. Kim Cattrall has like literally said these incredibly horrible personal things, like we've said. SJP is like executive producer, right? Yeah. Like, are, are they really? Like, if you and me had this ridiculously public spat, we tore strips out of each other on Instagram, yeah. and, and I, then I, you started a new podcast or a new show, whatever, why, why would you make this choice? Like, they could have said in the first episode, isn't it sad that Samantha died? And that'd be the end of it, and nobody would ever say anything yeah, else about it. Yeah, or Samantha's moved to Instead, London, then- just move away from talking about that into put it into Seema. Put it into the new Seema's sort of, I think, the best candidate for the new Samantha. They're going between Seema and Anthony being the sort of but the putting the two of them together, trying to make it fashion of Frankenstein Samantha yeah. out of Seema and Anthony. It's kind of working. It's kind of working. You know, and Seema's answering the phone in bed. Anthony's making the wise cracks and going, you know, fuck them, baby, you know, all of that. It's kind of working. We just don't need to keep on talking about It's exactly like this, Grace. It's like if you and I had such a public online spat and you had written, you're cruel, you've always been cruel, stop trying to pretend you've got this nice girl image online and then left that up there. So it's still, it's never been... Was that just off the top of your head? No, it's what she said. Is this the stuff you've been wanting to say to me? (laughs) No, it's what she said. Oh, that's what she actually said. said. Good Lord. There was already an estrangement, but when Kim Cattrall's brother died, SJP reached out on Instagram and just said, I'm so sorry for your loss, something like that. Mm. And she said, you're cruel. You've always been cruel. Stop reaching out to me. Uh, you're just trying to create a good girl image. Mm. And that's still there. She's never deleted. I can understand you doing that in the heat of the moment and then going, oh, that's not for public. You know, that was a, should have been a DM. But she's left it there. And that says a lot. So if you'd done that to me, if I'd reached out to you because you'd had a bereavement. Um, you wanted to lend me an Eiffel Tower K-shaped clutch bag to put the ashes of my fall <laughs> into. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. And... That was still sitting there online. And then I launched a new podcast and the theme tune was Black Tie Tonight. People Mm. might question it. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. I said from the beginning, when when I heard the incredibly, like, conspicuous way that they had, like, kept the character of Samantha incredibly present, but never present, I was like, if you think that she's never turning up in a future series of this show... I don't know what to tell you. I just am so convinced that she is, right? I'm so convinced that There's she is. There's certainly promising but then, But then this, well, I thought they were promising this. And I was like, like it's a genius, it's a genius stroke of marketing, right? It's, they're going to make so many, yeah. they're, like, they're going to get so gonna many views. Then we're going to cut two of them having cocktails. But then Paris. we just don't. We just don't, don't cut it. to it. We just, we don't we, fucking like, promise it if you can't It's referenced. It. 
It's yeah. referenced on the text message that we see. And then the next thing we see is like, I guess it's a week later and Carrie's hosting the new episode of her podcast that she's incredibly inept at hosting. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Why do they keep reaching out to Samantha? I just don't understand it. Michael Patrick King, I read about this. I First, I thought they were trying to lure Kim Cattrall back because if they kept her alive and then they offered her enough money for season two, she'd be like, fucking fine, I'll have a FaceTime. And I'm not recording with SJP. I'll record my side of it. She can record her side of it. You can cut them together. Fine. I I thought it was going to be something like that because they'd offer her like two million quid to record a FaceTime and it would be the most watched episode of television in in television history or something like that. You know, Mm. I just thought they're going to do something like that. So I think they probably are letting her know that there's so much meta stuff about I would speak to her again. Olive Branch. I mean, I'm sorry to, for, that I, I was just a paycheck and we weren't really friends. There's so much barbed stuff. But then I, I saw an interview with Michael Patrick King where apparently he said, it was like written down, and he'd said, no, she's not going to come back. She said what she said. I have no expect, you know, she's not going to come back. We just think it's for the audience and for us, we need to keep Samantha alive. And I'm like, she's on life support. She's invisible. You don't. What are you talking about? Stanford, I can see keeping alive. If Stanford's gone off to Japan, I could see her texting Stanford going, I've done it, Stanford. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that that would be poignant. I would have cried because yeah. we know that the actor died and that was a beautiful relationship that they had. And I loved that relationship. And that I would have honestly would have made me cry, even though she was standing in an orange ball ground <laughs> with an Eiffel Tower case. But to reach out to Samantha, I'm like, oh, this is so, we know what happened in real life and it, and it continues to happen. It's such a strange decision. Why not have her call Seema? You know, like build something new than this ghost of the past. That's the real ghost. That's the real lamp. The real lamp yeah. flashing on and off is the text to Kim Cattrall. And I, I really hope in season two that they've put a lid on that now. They've had cocktails. They've been in the metaverse. They've been reconciled. Can we please get on with her? relationships with people we are we could feasibly hire because <laughs> that's the minimum requirement gang i don't know man i guess i'm more cynical than you i think uh michael patrick king saying in an interview there's no way she's coming back that's the fucking biggest smoking gun that she's coming back like they can't trail it it's got to seem like a surprise he reconcile that that's that post is still there she said something I very know, personal and kind Listen, Robbie Williams and Gary Barlow said some very bad things about each other, but when the money was good, you know. Back down on the table. Yeah, you know, There's a lot of people who thought that they would never, ever, ever see the Spice Girls reunited on a stage. So, like, you you never say never. But Kim Cattrall has been liking, favouriting tweets where people have been saying, Kim Cattrall must be thrilled she's, she's out of this and, you know, she's so much better off doing what she's doing and... The show's terrible. She's been liking those tweets. So I don't know. I don't know. But they are, I think they're trying to lure her back. I mean, I don't know. Am I going to be the first one to like, am I going to be the first one to like break it, break it to you that there there might be a marketing team behind Kim Cattrall's actual Twitter feed? I mean, I'm just saying like liking, like that's a public thing. That's a public thing. Imagine we fell out as badly as that. And then I launched a new podcast. What would the price tag have to be for you to come back and do one song? Oof. A vibrating Peloton. A Peloton with vibrating <laughs> seats. <laughs> done and done. Listen, as you Samantha know. would say. And then I'll, um, di- I'll die. I'll die happy, apparently. That's what I've learned. Okay, what I feel is this, Tom, this has to be two episodes because this is too long for one episode, but there's been too much gold. 
edit what you need to and make it a part one and a part two, which we could release today and tomorrow or tomorrow and the next day. But we also have the documentary, which people have been asking, please, can you do <laughs> an episode about the documentary? Genuinely, this Twitter call for the documentary. So I, I will have to record an episode for the documentary and I might invite every guest back for a Zoom, set a Zoom time and say anyone Great. who's guested this season is welcome to come back for a group Zoom where we talk about the doc. Um, oh. By that point, Grace Petrie will, of course, have watched all of the episodes and I will fully understand. And I'll horror. be full of more conspiracy theories. I think if it were just Kim Cattrall's decided not to come back, I'd be like, sure, it's the public slanging. But that I do believe they're trying to lure her back. But then SJP, doesn't she feel personally, or does she just think, look, I just want the show to be amazing and I don't care about Kim Cattrall's feelings or my feelings about her? I don't fucking know. I'm interested. I'm intrigued. I don't know, man. Uh, okay. All right. And that is very much And that. just like that. And okay. just like that. You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist, Watchers, and Just Like That, with me, Deborah Francis-White, and my very special guest, Grace Petrie. The producer for The Spontaneity Shop was Tom Selinski. The Guilty Feminist is part of the Acast Creator Network, and Just Like That is on HBO Max in the United States, and Sky Comedy, and now in the UK. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com